welcome to the New Life Fellowship podcast. New Life Fellowship is a community of grace in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Our goal is to teach and share and experience the life of Jesus Christ together. You're about to listen to a message from one of our meetings. Please make sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca. Without further ado, let's listen in. Good morning to everybody who's joining us online. Uh, my name is Pastor Robin, and good morning to everybody who's here meeting with us this morning. I do see a handful of new faces too, so big thank you for you guys coming out and checking us out, and happy to have you join us. And uh, if I haven't had a chance to greet you yet, don't run away too fast. I'm happy to, to make a meet and greet. Uh, I'd like to talk to you about the uh, time that my wife and I went camping. We went camping. Okay, and we got to the campsite, it was a little bit of a rush. We had to set up this campsite pretty quickly. Um, and so we were setting it up, and it was frustrating. It wasn't fun. You know, there's much, many ways to, to sweat when you're camping, but sweating like setting up and getting all, you know, getting all you know, flustered about getting everything set up properly is, is not the right way to do it. So anyway, we get everything done, everything set up, and we're getting ready to, to go to sleep. And we're like, okay, I got to get the water. You know what I mean? You got to go and you got to get a jug of water so you can have that, so you can do your dishes or have different drinks while you're there, or have coffee while you're there. So anyway, I'm going down to get the water and I'm realizing that the path that I'm going down is going down to a beach. So I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. So I'm kind of walking. I'm like, I want to see the beach, you know? So I kind of forget about the water. So I'm walking with the jogger, go and see what's down there. Get down to the beach and the moon is like huge. And, and I don't know if you've, if you've ever been in that moment where the, the secondhand UV ray from the sun hitting the moon and then hitting like a lake or a beachhead is like just as bright as the sun being out. It was, it was like, it was outstanding what I was looking at. And there was like a cliff in the distance, even that was lit up so you could see everything so clearly. It was a moment of pure shock and awe. Then I stopped and I thought, is anyone else taking this in? This is amazing. This is beautiful. Is this just for me? Well, I'm looking around. I realize there's a lady. She's not standing that far. She's probably standing like right about here. Doing the exact same thing as me. She's taking it in. She's just staring at the moon, staring at everything. And I'm looking at her. I'm like, like I think we're both having the same experience right now. Isn't this majestic? Doesn't this stir up something in you don't you want to express something i realized in that moment that this all that i was taking in could only be expressed in one way i sung out how great thou art as loud as i, as loud as I could no i didn't do that <laughs> right i could have indescribable like i could have started i could have but i didn't all I could do in that moment is I realized the beauty of what God created. And I realized how small I was in comparison to the one who could create all these things. And that even in this moment, in my minute, finite life, in the frustrations of just getting a campsite set up, all of that was minuscule in comparison to this moment by which I believe God wanted to get my attention. Stop focusing on everything else. Focus on me for a second. I'm here with you. All I could do was smile. I just smiled back. Thank you, Jesus. 
This is beautiful. I don't know if the lady who's doing the exact same thing there was a Christian or not. But I believe this one truth about worship, about our response to the creation of beauty, the response to God himself, that each and every one of us are made to worship. We have a desire to connect with the divine. We have something inside of us that says everything is out of control. There must be someone who is big enough to understand this and to give purpose to our being. There has to be someone, there has to be a, a reason why all this exists for me to take it in. I don't know if she was a Christian or not, but maybe in that moment, maybe in that moment she realized for herself that I, I have to take this in. This moment was for me to, 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 to witness and fathom this. And I can say this confidently about humanity, right? I can say this confidently about humanity because guess what? As human beings, we're always trying to connect with the divine. We're always trying to connect with something that's bigger than us. Ecclesiastes says that built into each and every one of our hearts is a desire for eternity because we realize our finiteness. So we want to connect with something that is bigger than us. That's why we worship things like, or we create things like um, superheroes or mythology. That's why we have such a fascination with things like Star Wars and things like Marvel comics and DC comics and all these things that are bigger than us because there's a part of us that wants to believe that we're not here alone. We're not struggling on our own. And we have a response innate inside each and every wants to connect with that. It's why people worship the moon. It's why people worship the sun for years. So if we understand this, that we're created this way, there must be then the next question. What is the proper response? If we can acknowledge our finiteness and acknowledge that there's a God who, who created everything, that there's an intelligent design, there's someone bigger than us, then what is the true response? What does true worship look like? Uh, this morning, that's what we're going to be talking about and even when I say that term, true worship, what comes to mind for you? Say worship, you might think of music. You might think of true worship being a proper service, you know, front to back. Some people say worship is a lifestyle. Uh, I, what I want to do is I want to make this so biological, so genetic. I want to bring it right to the grassroots so that we could grasp and understand what this term means so that we actually experience what true worship is. So even in that, all of us have different thoughts. We all had different ideas probably in your mind of what that looks like, but we want to make sure that we have a perfect foundational building block to understand what true worship looks like. So next question with that is, does God care what our response to him is? Does he care what true worship looked like? Well, we know that confidently from John chapter four, verse 23, right? I want you to turn there with me right now. John chapter four, verse 23. If you got it, say amen. 
I can't say, man, I'm not there yet. Hold on a second. There we go. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is, now get this, the Father is seeking. He's pursuing. He is looking for such kinds of people to worship him. He's looking for those kind of folks. So he cares what true worship is. He cares what it looks like. So let's pray for this a quick moment that the Lord will open up our eyes to that truth of what that looks like. And we'll continue on in this message today. Lord Jesus, I pray that this morning that, um, you know, even just like the moon in that moment in that campsite, that you would capture our eyes more than my words, more than descriptions, more than analogies, that you'd open up our eyes to see you this morning, that we can respond to you. Ask us now in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Next thing I want you to do now is I want you to turn to Romans chapter 12. Okay, we're going to be looking at three main verses this morning about worship. I think these are the most important verses about worship that are in scriptures. Okay, so if you have it, if your Bible, if your um, phone with you, turn there with me. We're going to look at the first one, which is Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says this. This is Paul writing to the Romans. He says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. We're going to stop there. Paul is writing to the Romans because there's some conflict in that community about how to respond to God and what does that look like for us to respond to him adequately. So he puts it very plainly here and he repeats it several times in the book of Romans, how we can respond to him adequately as true worshipers. Now, first of all, we have to establish what does that term worship mean, right? In the Greek is the word latruien, which means service or worship. In the, in the original language in the Hebrew, the first time it's used is in the, is in the book of Genesis uh, chapter 18, and it's talking about how Abraham comes across uh, the, the, the son of man, or a lot of commentators would say he actually has a vision, he has an experience with the person of Jesus Christ, and he comes across him, and he bows down. He bows down in the presence of this individual. Because he's experiencing power, he's experiencing authority, he's experiencing somebody who he's never met before, but that he has to respond in this way. And that word that's used there is the word shaka, which is basically shh, and then phlegm afterwards, okay? Okay, that's the Hebrew word shaka, and it means bow down, but it could also mean kiss. It could also mean to affectionately kiss. So what do we get when we see this Hebrew word for worship and we see this Greek word for worship? Let's put them together. It's an affectionate, it's an affectionate act of service. It's an affectionate response to encountering God. And we know it's about encountering God because look back at Romans 12 verse 1. He says, Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God 
to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. How do you present your body as a living sacrifice? By the mercies of God. Because you had an encounter with the gospel. You had an encounter with the love of God. You had an encounter with his mercy. You understand in a new significant way that it's not just about your performance. You, are, you have an encounter by which you understand Romans 5, which says that God loved you even when you were an enemy. Even when you were an enemy of God, God died for you. So you realize that your value was never based on your performance. It was based on the fact that you were created in the image of God and he loves you and he loves you and he loves you and he demonstrated it by dying for you on the froth. He demonstrated in that way. So you have a revelation of the mercies of God and this now compels you to present your physical body as a living sacrifice. It's a response. When I saw the moon there and that, and that beachhead of the camp, I, I had to respond. There had to be a response. I couldn't deny the beauty of God. All I could do was So what is Paul saying here? He's saying, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers. Therefore, why? Because in the previous chapter, in chapter 11, he was describing the wonders of the fact that the Jews didn't accept Jesus. So now the Gentiles, which is me and you, get to now accept the mercies of God by their disobedience. He's saying, look at the wonders of the mercy of God that has been given to you. So rebel in that, receive that, and now present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Why present your bodies as a living sacrifice? Because Jesus did the exact same thing. Because of love, Jesus presented his body as a sacrifice for you. Also, why? Because your bodies have been made holy and acceptable. You've been made holy and acceptable to God. Look at what this verse says. It doesn't say, now make sure that you're holy and acceptable to God before you present yourself as a living sacrifice. No, what does it say? It says, as a living sacrifice, and here's a continued description, holy and acceptable to God. I mean, you didn't have to wear a suit and tie to worship today. You could have. You had the freedom to do it. But you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to look acceptable. You didn't have to get everything right to come and worship God today. You didn't have to get everything right in your life to respond to his affections for you. You have been made holy and acceptable and you have been made pleasing to God. How is that? Obviously by the mercies of God. That when Jesus died on the cross, your spirit that was disconnected to God died with him. But since you're a human being and you need a spirit, Jesus did the next best thing, that when he came back to life, Romans 6 said that he, he had a new spirit, he had a resurrected spirit, a resurrected body. Now you also, by believing in this, have now received a new spirit. This new spirit that is in you is acceptable and holy. You are no longer a filthy sinner saved by grace. You are now a saint. You are a saint who sometimes sins. 
because you've been made new in him. This is the promise of 2 Corinthians 5, verse 20, 21. You don't have to act righteous. You've been made righteous. This is the wonder of the gospel. So what are you going to do about it? Oh, that's fine. That's great. That's cool. Thanks, Jesus. I'm going to go on sinning just like I like to. No, you're not going to do that. Do you know why? Because of 1 John 4, it says, because of his love, now we love. Because of the love that we've received from him, now we're compelled. We desire to love. What is worship? Worship is a response to seeing Jesus. It's a response to the wonders of the gospel. It's a response to his mercy. And it compels you to act. It compels you to service. Not just singing on a Sunday morning. Not just the 30 minutes we just spent. It compels you to now live your life in a way that honors him and glorifies him. And Paul says that this is your spiritual act of worship. Other translations say this is your acceptable act of worship. Just responding to his love, responding to his mercy. Think of all the things that we've turned worship into. We make all these excuses and reasons why we can't take this moment that we've just created and make it something that we revel in his presence. You know, the music wasn't like this. The words weren't like this. The, you know, the scene wasn't the way I want it to be. Or let's take it away from music because worship could also very much be just how we relate to each other. Well, so-and-so doesn't act the way I like, so I'm not going to interact with them. God's, in, God's inspiring me to do something kind to somebody. Well, I don't know how they're going to see it, so I'm not going to do it. No, 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 no. Worship is more than that. This act of service is a response to his love and is not limited by your circumstances and is not limited by your preferences. It's not limited by your gathering. This is an expression of love by receiving his love. Now, Paul says, listen, I appeal to you other translations say, I urge you, right? Look back right there at that passage. Verse one is, I appeal to you. Other translations say, I urge you. Why? Because sometimes we don't do this. We don't revel in the mercy of what we receive. We don't receive his love. And so we don't present ourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. No, sometimes we find reasons to not do that because there's a tension, because there's a conflict at foot in each side, each and every one of us. And it's a thing called sin. It's indwelling sin that we inherited from Adam. It's a noun, something that's pushing against each and every one of us. It's pushing against our desires to do what God wants us to do and is trying to pull us in the direction to do things that are self-serving, self-protecting, self-promoting rather than to live a life that is God-glorifying, that rests in his protection and receives his provision. So let's keep going, because we have to ask this next question. What does true worship look like for us as individuals? 
I want you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. So you want to turn there with me right now? So we're looking at Philippians chapter 3, verse 3. And this is Paul now writing to the Philippians church. Really important verse about worship. It says this. For we are the circumcision who by the spirit of, who worship rather by the spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. So again, Philippians chapter three, verse three, I'm reading from the English standard version, right? So who worship, this is the important part, by the spirit of God. So you want to ask that question, what does true Worship look like for me as an individual? Well, it does mean, first of all, understanding our first building block, that I receive his love. I receive his love. By the mercies of God, I present myself as a living sacrifice. But then the next building block to worship is that now I invite the Holy Spirit to worship God through me. Get this. Okay, hold on. Is anyone else confused by what I just said? Right? The Spirit of God worships God through you. Like, like that's, it's like the cycle where he has his own quality control on worship. God has his own quality control on true worship. His Spirit worships through you. The God's Spirit fuels our worship. And Paul was saying back in Romans 12, I urge you, I appeal to you, why? Because sometimes we don't have to worship in the spirit. We could worship in the flesh. As a speaker, I don't have to rely on God's spirit to do this work. Because God has already instilled in me it, a gifting. Maybe not a gift for some people. Maybe it's a conservative for some people. But like, I'm not, I'm not afraid to be up on a stage. I, I have a gifting to teach. Uh, I can read the Bible. I can put different analogies together. I could do all of this and I could put on quite a show. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Good night, everybody. But I don't have to do it in the spirit of God. I don't have to do it relying and depending on God's spirit to do it in me. And you might walk away and say, well, I heard the Bible today, but something was missing. First of all, something's missing for me because I miss out on the joy of experiencing what it's like to be in the dance, in communion with him. I miss out on the joy of experiencing the rest that comes from him revealing beauty, revealing majesty, revealing truths, revealing mercy to me in his word. And that revelation is alive to me and I express it to you. And then you can hear it in a new in fresh way, because just like stained glass, I am broken. I'm stained, compressed. But when God takes hold of my life, he'll put me together with all these other pieces. Everything that's in my life, he'll put it all together, all these broken pieces, and he's going to shine his light through it. And he's going to show the story of him through my life. So there's a gift that you receive by seeing Christ in and through me expressed by the Spirit of God working in and through me. 
but the same gifting is available for each and every one of us through you. Because I have the once in a lifetime opportunity to experience Christ in Austin. I have the once in a lifetime experience to experience Christ through Dan. I have the once in a lifetime experience to experience Christ through Craig. He wants to express himself through each and every one of us. And what happens is, is that we get to experience that beauty of what he wants to create, what he wants to do, rather than someone just self-promoting themselves. There's a wonder, there's a great mystery here. And there's an eloquent dance. There's an elegant dance. Um, I went and did dance lessons uh, once. Deanna and I did it. We went to do kind of like, um, I don't know, it's like, it looks like waltz and different stuff, right, honey? I forget what it was called. Ballroom dancing, that's what it was. Okay? I love you guys. <laughs> and here I am, right? They're showing you what to do, right? Deanne puts her hand in my hand. I take my hand like this, and, I have, and they're like, okay, now, Rob, when you move your foot forward, Deanne moves her foot back, right? So here I am. I got her hand, so I move my foot forward, and she kind of moves her foot back, and then she moves her foot back, and they're like, okay, hold on. Then we're going to go here, and they're like, now, Robin, draw her to you, because now you're going to dip. And I'm like, okay. So I draw her to me, right? And then it's like, we're doing it. It's so awkward. Like, it's so, it's so awkward. First of all, because I have no idea what I'm doing, right? Someone's showing me what to do. And then Deanne also, in that moment, has to trust me. And that's hard, because I don't know what I'm doing. But soon enough, we get the rhythm of it. We keep practicing it. We just get into this rhythm and things just start to work. And it starts to look like it's supposed to look. And it's beautiful. It takes two really awkward people doing a really awkward thing. And it makes it this beautiful, wonderful thing. And then we get to the next thing. We're like, oh, wait, we don't know what we're doing. The Holy Spirit knows what he's doing. And he's invited each and every one of us into a dance. And the Holy Spirit takes you by the hand and says, you can trust me. Just respond to where I'm leading. I move my foot forward, move your foot back. I draw you forward for a dip, just come with me. Feels uncomfortable, just come with me. Don't worry, I'm going to pull you back up. I'm going to draw you over here and I'm going to spin you. You ready? Three, two, one, spin. But what do we do? Oh, this is, un I don't know this, I don't know this, I don't know this. Okay, okay. Looks a little awkward. Holy Spirit says, that's okay. Let's try again. And you go through another season where the Holy Spirit's leading you into something. And he's trying to create a beautiful dance. And he's trying to move you along. And after a while, since with the practice you get, it gets easier and easier. And it starts to look more and more beautiful. And you know what? Sometimes your life looks scary. Sometimes your life looks like it's going into a dip. And people are looking at your life. They're like, things are out of control. But you say, no, 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 I'm trusting the one who's in control. And guess what? Holy Spirit brings you back up and brings you, gives you a spin, brings you to another place. This eloquent dance, people look at it and they're like, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're doing it. Something mysterious and wonderful is happening in your life. What is it? I want it. This is what we're talking about, worship. A response to how he's leading. You respond to his love, you let him guide you. And he'll lead you around. He'll make something beautiful. But we have to trust. This is what Paul is saying. We who worship by the Spirit 
of God. I want to give one, one more um, analogy before we move on with this. I had this one experience in my life. Uh, I shared this before. The one experience of my life where I was kind of on this mountaintop experience, just came out of a youth retreat and, um, and it was really exciting and there was great worship and you know, people got saved and you're just really excited and stuff. And I remember I, I, I went to McDonald's with my friends on our break at, at high school. And so we went to McDonald's and I was just there and I'm just stirred up with the love of God. So I'm at the cash and the cashier is right in front of me and she, I give her my order and stuff like that. You know, Big Mac with the fries, that's it. I don't mess around. Big Mac with the fries, that's it. You know, a little sweet and sour sauce, dip it in. Forget I just said that. Anyway, so here I'm ordering my McDonald's. I'm just enjoying myself. And she, and she finishes the order and I just like, Jesus loves you. Because I was like, I was so, I was just so, this is crazy. Like, I just, I just, just came out of me. The girl looked at me. And she broke down crying. She went, <laughs> like ugly cry in front of me. <laughs> and then she turned and she left. And then another cashier came and finished the order. I thought of it. Honestly, to this day, I don't know what happened. I, I didn't go back and pursue if she came to faith or not or what it was. One of my friends were like, maybe she knows someone named Jesus. <laughs> But, but some, something happened, and, I, and in the moment, even to this day, I still, I still get the sensation that there was a moment there that God was propelling me to do this, and she needed it. That's one example. But now I want to bring it a little bit more to earth. I'm going to give you an example that's not as uh, atmospheric. Sitting down at work, got paperwork to do. My one job, Christian organization, I'm working, and I got the paperwork. I'm looking at the screen, looking at the paper, and I'm like, this stinks. I'm like, you know, there's a part of me inside of me that's just like, this is not what you've been made for. You've been made for more. You know, you are an artist. Go and do art, right, or something. So it's just like, it's just like, I'm just sitting there in this work. I'm like, this stinks. And I'm just like, I don't want to do this. I'm just like hesitating. Just looking at the screen, looking at the paper, looking at the screen, looking at the paper. Time's passing. In the moment, I just thought, okay, this is it. Jesus, I know it's not an accident that I'm in the job that I'm in. That I have a purpose. You have a purpose in the plan for my life. It's not an accident. And I know that the work that I'm doing serves the church. And I'm feeling a resistance. So in this moment, I just accept that it's not an accident that I'm here. And I invite your spirit to work through me. Well, let me tell you this. It was like a fish and loaves moment. Two fish, five loaves. I'm sitting down there, my inbox is full of stuff. I have all this paperwork. I don't know how I did it. I just started by faith. By the end of the day, I had inbox zero. Anybody else celebrate that? Woo! Who likes inbox zero? Yes. I had inbox zero. All the paperwork was done. End of the day, I'm looking around like, wait a minute. This is not at all how I started the day. How did this happen? Listen, guys, I'm not here to praise myself in this moment. I'm just saying that there is something that we can step into, that there is an opportunity by the Spirit of God to serve the church, to serve others, and not just serve yourself, but to accomplish what God has put forward in your life. Why? Because it's not an accident that you are where you are. Let me say it again. It's not an accident that you are where you are. 
that you're in the job that you're in, that you go to the school that you go to, that you have the family that you have, and some of the issues that are present. It's not an accident. He has a purpose to work through it. And if you're willing to lay your body down on the altar as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, he wants to do something miraculous in the unmiraculous parts of your life. He wants to take you on that dance and show the world I can do, I can do the miraculous through you. That's why at New Life, we don't invite anyone to serve via obligation. That's why when we invite you to serve at New Life, we're inviting you to serve because you feel led by the Spirit to serve where you're called to serve. Otherwise, it's not biblical. Right? Worship is service or a response or effective response to God. I can't say you have to. No. Well, the Spirit led you to serve. Listen, I just told you the most dangerous sentence that any pastor could ever say. <laughs> you are not obligated to serve. But we in leadership at New Life believe and trust in the Spirit that is in you to lead you in the way that He's called you to serve. So if you come and say, man, I feel like I want to serve in this area or I want to do this a little bit more with my volunteer time in this area, then we might say, well, you already have a lot on your plate. Is that okay? And you could say, no, it is okay because I feel led to do this by the Spirit. I have a joy about this. My family says it's okay. And we can be like, all right. Or you could say, you know what? I feel like my time in this area of service is done, but I feel led by the Spirit to serve in this other direction. And we say, hey, you know what? We could see that we have a need in that area. We could see you have giftings in that area. Go and serve there. It has to be this. It has to be granular. Worship can't be this atmospheric thing. It has to be this genetic, biological experience by which in your everyday lives, you are experiencing the leading of the Holy Spirit and you are responding to the mercies of God in your life. And we as a community can respond and affirm the leading of the Spirit in your life which takes us to this next point, right? Because we figure out our building blocks of what true worship is. First one, what is worship? It's a response to God's mercies. Number two, what does true worship look like? Well, it's the Spirit of God working in you. As I, I invite the Holy Spirit to work in my life. And the last building block is this. What, or answering this question, what does true worship look like for us as a community? Why don't you turn with me to John chapter four, verse 23. We're going to go back there. This is our last point before we close. John chapter 4, verse 23. Let's read it again. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers, that's our word true, will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those, I'm reading onward, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him and spirit, and truth. But I want you to look at this verse really quickly. I want you to notice something, that the Trinity is in this verse. Look closely at that. So we see that it's the Father who wants us to worship himself. So we worship the Father in 
spirit, right? By the power of the Holy Spirit and truth. Well, who's the truth? Jesus. So worship is this experience where we get to be in communion with the Trinity. Because look, we're in that verse too. But the hour is coming and is here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. And for the Father is doing what? He's looking for people like that to worship him. So there's already the community present in the Trinity. There's a community present already in God. We have been invited to have communion with this community that exists in perfect unity already. So what does it now look like for us to, for true worshipers to worship God as a community? What does it look like for each and every one of us? I think it's reflected in John 17 without us turning there. Jesus' prayer that we would be one with the Father, that we would be one with God as, as Jesus is one with God, that we would experience this oneness, this unity, each and every one of us, even though we're different. Even though some of us like to dip our McDonald's fries in sweet and sour sauce, and some of us like to dip it in mayonnaise, which I do not understand, and we will not judge them, but we have the same spirit. We have the same spirit. So despite our differences, we can work together. Despite our differences, we are connected. Matter of fact, the thing that connects us is eternal. So I've said this before, but I have to say it again. My, if my earthly brother was not a believer, if my earthly brother was not a believer, he did not share the same spirit as me. But the spirit that I have by the Holy Spirit is the same spirit that Barry has, then I have more in connection with Barry than I have with my earthly brother. Because what I have with my earthly brother is blood, and that will pass away. But what I have through the Spirit is eternal, and that will last always. So we have something unique as believers. Something that, that defies all of the trappings of tolerance, and all the political correctness, and all the regulations by the government. It defies it. It, it, it doesn't make sense to the world because you can't force that on people. You can as much as you want, but it's not going to change anything. What we have through the gospel is actually creating true, actual unity. This is why, this is why Paul says in Ephesians 4 verse 3, you can even just turn there right now. So it's Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3. Paul says this. Be eager now to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. Again, he's saying be eager. He's saying be eager because it's not easy to do this. It's easy to forget about our unity. It's easy to discard that. It's easy to find reasons why it doesn't matter. But he says, no, be eager because the unity is already there. You maintain something that's already there. And in the bond of peace. So it's something that we, that we work towards. It's, it's actually a response to what we have received, first and foremost, through the gospel. And then 
by the mercies of God, we now invite the Holy Spirit to work in and through us. And when the Spirit works in and through us, what's it going to do? It's going to create unity in our communities. So we are trusting as leadership here at New Life that as you experience and are led by the Spirit, that what's going to happen is that it's going to, cre- it's going to create not only the sense, but it's going to promote unity with, um, among us. We're not going to get everything right all the time. We might forget things and we might find other reasons to step away from unity. And we may not be eager to maintain it all the time. But that is what the Spirit wants to create. And we know that we are true worshipers as a community if unity is present, even in our differences. Got to give you an example of this. So basically, as an elders team, so it's myself, Pastor Josh, Pastor Ross, and Pastor Gray, we will sit down in our meetings and talk about things. Oh my, I'm getting you guys behind the veil here, okay? This is pretty cool, right? Nothing special in this sense. But we'll sit down together as a community and we'll say, like, we, this, there, there's this issue present. How do we resolve this? How do we, how, how do we address this as leadership? And we will sit down and talk about it. And Josh might feel one way. Greg might feel like one way. I might feel like one way. But if Ross feels like, ah, I don't know if that's it, then we will pause on making a decision. Why? Because we all have the same spirit. So we should be able to agree on what the spirit is saying. So if we can't all be on the same spot on something, then we just pause and we wait and we come back to it. This has happened a handful of times where we've had to come back to a subject matter. And when we came back to it, 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 it changed every time. Sometimes the one individual says, you know what, maybe I, I actually, I do feel like I was actually wrong. I think it's actually this. Or sometimes the other group or the majority might say, you know what, no, I think that we should back off that and we should actually go in the direction of the one individual was saying. And we always just wait and see. And honestly, guys, it's not seamless, but when we come to the same place of unity on something, it is beautiful and it has results and it has blessings for our community every time we do it. And it affirms to me and affirms to each and every one of us that we can trust the following of the Holy Spirit. Well, we want to reflect that in each and every one of our ministry groups. So I have the same relationship on our worship leadership team with Nikki uh, Ballard and with Joy Gilbert. So we'll sit down together and we'll be talk about new worship songs. And we'll talk about it. We say, well, this new worship song that we want to present, some of the words I feel are representative of the gospel very well, and some of them aren't, and maybe the song is not really a worship song, maybe it's not. And if we're not on the same page or something, we say, okay, we're not on the same page. And then we just wait for that song. We say, we have lots of other songs. But the main purpose for us is to always come to a place of unity because we know that that's what the Spirit is after. And we will make decisions based on that. And again, it's not always seamless, but the end result when we trust the Spirit is something beautiful. It's something special. It's something otherworldly sometimes. This is what we've been invited to. This is what we've been invited to, this beautiful, wonderful dance, this elegant, eloquent dance by the Spirit that not only myself as an individual being led through it, but each and every one of us are. Which begs the question sometimes, and I have to ask this question, that it begs our question sometimes as a community, that does our behavior 
maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace? Or does our behavior at any point in time shroud or distract us from that same unity? Because if it doesn't, maybe our behavior is an indication that we're not responding to the spirit, but maybe it's an indication that we're responding to the flesh. And it doesn't mean that you're bad. It just means that, okay, it might bring up conflict, but unity is not passive. Unity is active. So we don't run away from conflict. But if it's present, we don't despise it or reject it. We step into it and we say, okay, what is the Spirit saying? If we're not all on the same page, what is the Spirit saying? If my behavior is causing discord, what, what is the Spirit saying? Let's, let's step into a conversation about it. Why? Because we're united by the, the unity of a Spirit by which we worship. Here's a building block. Say this before we close, okay? First off, I re- this is a building block of worship. First, I receive God's love. Second, I receive the invitation to be led by the Spirit um, in worship. And the second thing is I trust the Spirit to promote unity in me and in others. In conclusion, I want to bring you back to the thought about the sun, the campsite. There at the campsite, and at this point, I've, I've forgotten about the water. Remember, I was supposed to get water? forgotten about the water. So I'm sort of walking back. I'm like, oh my goodness, I forgot about the water. So I go back and I get it. And it strikes me in this moment as I'm going back and filling up the water that, that, that I'm just, I am created. I'm a created being. I am created like the moon. The moon is a created entity. And I get the privilege of reflecting the rays of the sun on the world so that the world can witness the beauty of God through me. We as a community at New Life have the privilege by the power of the Holy Spirit to do exactly what John chapter 13 verse 35 says. That if we labor to maintain unity, what's going to happen? People will see that we are his disciples. Why? by how we love each other, even through our differences. And we can reflect to a broken world, like the sun on the moon, and the sun and the moon, and the sun's rays reflecting off the moon, hitting the water, hitting the beach, to a broken world. And they can look at it and say, wow, God is real. God is among you. I want in. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the privilege of this morning that we can um, worship. We can respond to you. That's why, you know, that's why Hebrews says like we, we shouldn't forsake this gathering. Why? Because something otherworldly can happen. Something otherworldly is happening. So I just pray that in this moment that you would open up our hearts and ears to what you are doing. Or So what's hindering us from experiencing the unity and the wonder of the Spirit? What's interrupting our dance with you? What's preventing me from receiving your love? Open up our hearts to receive that. I pray you bless our morning. 
and bless our source surely. In Jesus' name, amen. You've been listening to the New Life Fellowship Podcast. Thanks for joining us. For more great content, please be sure to check out our website, newlifekw.ca, and sign up for our mailing list. Subscribers will receive our The Life in the Apartment ebook that is sure to encourage and bless. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch the latest services and additional video content. New Life Fellowship is a registered charity that is supported by the giving of partners and friends. All donations will be received. If you would like to donate, donate at newlifekw.ca. Your giving is highly valued and appreciated. You are loved. Take care.